Warrior woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. Or if this is your first time whacking me in your ears, welcome to the Warrior School podcast. I am on day 10 of my cycle. And today, this is episode 80, which is really cool. Uh, So I just want to celebrate that. And I also want to acknowledge you uh, and just really give you some love and some feedback. Like I am so grateful that you listen to the podcast. Uh, Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, you know, creating the space to listen Also, thank you uh, to those who give me feedback and share with me, you know, their key takeaways from the episodes that they listen to. I really appreciate it and I do it for you. So if there is something that you want to hear, someone that you want to have on the podcast, you know, I'm super open to your feedback uh, and I'm just so grateful that you listen to it. Uh, So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay, let's do it. Let's, Let's do episode 80. I have a very cool guest today. She's a cool chick. She's really funny. Uh, Her name is Libby Westcombe and I like to call her the muscle building queen. She helps women build muscle. And that's what our episode is about today. We're going to talk about how to build muscle. So, you know, muscle building or getting leaner is probably one of the top two goals along with losing fat mass uh, that I hear from women. We want to know how do we build muscle? So in today's episode, we talk about that. We're going to talk about how we build muscle. Uh, and we talk about some key things that are really important for us to do that. We start our conversation talking about how it's really key that we have a strong foundation. So muscle building starts with a strong foundation. And what do I mean when I say that? Well, think of your metabolic markers. So it's really hard to build muscle Uh, If we're stressed, we're not eating enough, we're not training consistently, we're not sleeping, we're on an energy roller coaster, we're injured all the time, or we're just trying to heal our body. We're at the start of our healing journey. So what we need to do first is we need to build that strong foundation. And Libby and I talk about that. We do this a lot in our work with the women that we work with. We spend a good 6, 12 months, sometimes even 18 months, uh, rebuilding their foundations, looking at those metabolic markers, making sure that we're managing stress, we're eating enough, we're training consistently, you know, we're working on that range of motion, that stability, uh, that tension, learning those key movement patterns and how to lift correctly, Uh, managing our energy, our blood sugar, you know, making sure we have regular cycles. So we've done all this work, you know, this foundational work for Maybe it's six months, maybe it's 18 months, maybe it's two years. From then, we need to do a few key things to grow our muscles. And that's what we're going to talk about today in the episode. It was a pleasure to speak with her. Uh, I'll have her on again. She is a wealth of knowledge. She's super sciencey, which I really love. For those of you who know me, 
I'm not really numbersy or sciencey. Uh, and so it was really nice to have her on. We chat science, we chat muscle building. Uh, and so I really hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please share it with another warrior woman that might be struggling with her training or building muscle. Uh, and as always, if you have any questions, reach out. Okay, warrior woman, enjoy this episode with Libby Westcombe on building muscle. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So, This is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. I'm so excited because, well, you're super sciencey and I love that about you. I try and keep it simple, like with people, but yeah, I still think people appreciate the science if they can. I, one thing I, I like, or one thing I try to do is not to sort of treat women. I guess I'll say women because I work with women as, you know, people that can't understand more than, you know, here's your pump class or let's do the upper booty work or, you know, how everyone talks about these days. It's just like, you know, to tone, you need to do this and to that. And I'm like, but we're smarter. Women are smarter. Let's treat them like smart, you know, intelligent beings that maybe are a little bit lost sometimes, but have the capacity to understand how to do things in a smart, intelligent way to get results. And I think there's too much of the other stuff. Um, So yeah, I, my goal is always to try to break it down in an easy to understand way, but without, going so far to the other extreme, you know, when people are assuming that like women have the IQ of a rock and they can't do anything. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why I love you and I love your work is because, you know, I believe that the culture has just bred distrust with the female body since we were young and we were never taught about our menstrual cycle properly and what goes on. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for people to, for women to understand their cycle is because, you know, it's not even really about the training with the cycle and that it's that, you know, it's building trust with your body. It's like you, you then get to know your body and understand the science behind it. Then you can advocate for the body. And I when totally I, agree. yeah, when, when you speak and when I read about your work, one of the things that I love is that it's just the education part of it, which is so key and so important uh, behind the training practice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that saying knowledge is power is so true because if you have that knowledge, it's almost like an antidote to the bullshit if that makes sense. Whereas if you don't have it, there's nothing to stand in between you and the 
crazy amount of bullshit that comes from all directions. Whereas if you have that base foundational knowledge, like I'm not talking about, you know, everyone tracking their heart rate variability and everyone doing like the nth degree. I'm just talking about that base, have that foundation of knowledge where you're like, that's bullshit. Like, I know that's bullshit because I have this foundation to stand on. I think that's what's missing, which I love that you do as well. Like you're so into that foundation and building that base in every area. Um, and I think that's something that's just so key because it really is an antidote. Like you will be able to hear it from a mile away and know that that's way, you know, you'll be like, wait a sec, is that true? Or so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is so important in itself. Like the, the thousands of conversations that we hear from other women, you know, our friends or, you know, strangers Everyone. in a coffee shop or, you know, even on social media, like, there's, there's so much, like you said, bullshit out there and you can just call it. Like I call bullshit on that because <laughs> I know I how tell it the works. Girls, literally, I tell them it's literally like an armor. They're putting an armor on their body and it's the antidote or the armor against it. It's amazing. And again, how, like what does that do for like building trust for our body and learn, like being so confident and certain in our body and knowing what works for our body? And, and I just believe that that like it bleeds into all other areas of our life. It does. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So we kind of got straight into like the building of the foundation, uh, but I want to hear a bit about your story. Cool. Yeah. Um, First, I want so, to hear what do you do? What do you do? What do you do every day yeah. with your life and with your work? So I work with women and I have a membership. Um, basically, I, I, I call myself a muscle building expert. Um, I'm just all about building muscle, getting stronger. And like you said, increasing the confidence, which it does, it spills over into everyday life. Obviously I take a, always take a health first standpoint, which I pride myself in. And I'm pretty sure that us and you and our friends, they understand that kind of pro-metabolic approach, that health first approach. And I think if you take that health first approach, you can't really go wrong because you're always bringing it back to your health. So if you take that health first approach, then if you're gonna go and do a bodybuilding competition or a physique competition or whatever it is, you're gonna to have to be like, wait a sec, is this healthy for me? So I always bring it back to that health first approach, but then I guess my niche and my expertise is body composition, muscle building, um, nutrition as well, which goes along with it, yeah. Oh yeah, she's right beside it, right beside training there. <laughs> <laughs> um, love the training. Yeah, love the training, but also the nutrition, which we can talk a bit about today as well. Uh, but. Like, how did you even get into this? Where did your story start? Like, connect the dots back for me a little bit. Sure. Um, so actually growing up, I had a pretty tough childhood. I was grow I grew up in a religious cult, which is basically, yeah, it was pretty screwed up. It's called the Children of God. They changed their name to the family later. Um, <clears throat> growing up, I had, you know, obviously extreme, extremely difficult childhood and a lot of anxiety and just, yeah, it was, it was really tough in so many ways. There was a lot of extremely harsh discipline involved. There was sexual abuse. There was all that type of stuff. And I think I needed that sort of confidence boosting outlet, which I found in training, which is really interesting because I was only like 12, 13 years old. And I started doing um, exercise videos. Um, I don't know if you guys know, like the firm or Tybo, which is like this boxing one. Um, we were allowed to do those like we weren't allowed to watch movies or listen to any music or anything but there was a few things that we were allowed to do and that was one of the things and literally every day from probably age 13 
I would go into the little corner of the room where we had our little TV set up and I would do my hour and I just shut off from everything else. And I think just doing that kind of bred that confidence in me, I did get stronger. Like I was, I was telling my partner the other day, you know, I was using pretty heavy weights, like 14, 15. I was using like seven kilo dumbbells, eight kilo dumbbells. It's like heavy for that age. Um, and yeah, like I, I think also just doing it at that age gives you that foundation of strength. So I, I just did that for years. And I was just, I was bound that that was the one thing that I could, I could go to that place and I could relax and my mind would kind of switch off from everything else. And then I would feel confident in myself and I'd be like, okay, I, you know, I'm good. I'm confident. I can do this. Um, so that's like way back from how it started. Um, and then, yeah, eventually, obviously I came to Australia. I kind of escaped, I would say the cult a little bit on my own. I came to Australia. Um, one of the first things I wanted to do was just get into my personal training um, they do like a cert three and four here. I just, I was like, this, this is the one thing that kind of I had that I knew about because our education was a little bit crazy. We didn't go to, you know, university or college, barely got a high school education. Everything was homeschooled. Um, I didn't really have any other kind of niche that I could fall into. So that was the one thing that I knew about. So I started with that. And yeah, from there, I guess the rest is history. I became a CrossFit coach. I actually met my partner as a, at the gym who was a personal trainer as well. And he was starting to dabble into CrossFit. It was 2011. So like, you know, old school, old school CrossFitters we were. Um, and yeah, he introduced it to me. And we used to just do these workouts at the end of our training our clients in the morning. We'd go and we'd just do CrossFit workouts. And I just fell in love with that as well. So that kind of got us into CrossFit coaching at a gym. And that was just like probably an eight-year stint I had with that. So yeah, it was pretty full on. Oh, wow. You're in a gym coaching CrossFit for like eight years. Yeah. And doing it competitively myself, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was an exciting time, but pretty full on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And you were competing. I mean, like, yeah, I, we, I was at, I got to about regional level in the team. So pretty good. Not, not the best, not anything near the best, but you know, good enough. It's good. Take yeah. the win, celebrate it. It's really, Yeah. That's yep. super awesome. I mean, if you look at CrossFitters these days, it's unbelievable what they're doing. Like, it's just out of this world. It's amazing to watch. I often tell people, watch the females, you know, because in most sports, because guys are naturally faster and more explosive. Like if you watch footy or if you watch sprinting or anything like that, it's, you'll probably find the guys a little bit more entertaining in the sense that they're just faster and more explosive, not to sound sexist or anything, but watch CrossFit if you want entertainment. The girls absolutely kill it. And it is way more entertaining than the guys just because they have that, you know, I think those girls have a little bit extra endurance naturally with a slower muscle fiber types. And they just, it's incredible. They go to a totally different level. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's just, it's an amazing thing to watch. They're powerful. They're graceful. They're strong they're so capable they're so certain in their body um yeah and I yeah and I think that's one of the things that CrossFit really did for females and females in the gym and in sports is to open that up that like possibility of like you can do like all of these things and you can move your body like in that way and isn't that like so super cool it actually made it it made it more popular as well to have muscle, which is something that is just an incredible thing. Like taking it back to how you look, because everybody focuses on that. Let's be honest. That actually was like the pinnacle in the fitness industry when women 
we're actually like, okay, I don't want to just be the skinny model look. I want to have muscle. I want to have, I want to be strong and jacked. And that like, cause I've seen it all transpire, like, cause I was in it since, you know, 2007. So I've seen the different things go. And that's for me, CrossFit really did do that. It brought that. And now it's just, it's beautiful now. Like women want to be strong. They want to have muscle, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, the certainty and the capability that comes from a body that came from the CrossFit practice, you know, not just CrossFit, but any good practice with good teachers and a good method and a good process teaches this, you know, this way to build this foundation, which is something I really wanted to talk to you about today. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, health first, and then Mm -hmm. we can go into the conversation and the work around performance or body composition. Can you talk about what that health first looks like and why it's super key? Yeah, sure. So I think that a lot of people go into changing their body from a, you know, restrictive way or wanting to take away something. Whereas when you're putting health first, you're treating your body as, I guess, the beautiful thing that it is and you want to enhance it you want to feed it well you want to give it the energy it needs so that it can perform so it's kind of just flipping it on itself whereas like even now I'll have so many women just message me on Instagram or come to me and they're like I need to lose weight I have this disgusting part on my body that I don't like and I need to and everything's always about I don't love my body I don't love the way it looks I want to take away from it I want to make it smaller and if you come from a position of health first which is what I just strive to do with my clients every day it's basically like how much do you appreciate your body for what it can do for you right now and how much do you want to make it better so that it can do those things better so that you can thrive in life so that you can be feel good look good feel confident like it's it's just I guess it encompasses all these things it's not just about this I want to be smaller or I hate myself I hate the way I look so Um, that's from, I guess, a big perspective. And then we can go into like how, if you're feeding it well and you're giving it enough nutrients and you're giving it the right sort of combination of macronutrients, it can actually enhance your performance, which then does spill over into building your muscle and a better body composition and that as well. But yeah, it just always comes down to health. Yeah. Because what happens if we don't put health first, if we're focusing on that weight, shape or size, what have you seen happen in your work? Yeah. So what I've seen happen when you're just focusing on that is that eventually you're going to hit a wall pretty, pretty quickly. And you're not even going to get that shape or that health or that, or that size that you want because you're not focusing on health. So it goes hand in hand with like focusing on health, with feeding your body properly comes the extra things like the way you want to look, the body that you want, the muscle that you want, but you can't get that without focusing on health or you can get it for a very small period of time, but then you're going to have all these other consequences that come with it. So you're going to eventually have metabolism issues, thyroid problems. I see thyroid all the time, especially with CrossFit women, Um, just because of that imbalance with what you're, you know, what you're putting inside your body as far as calories and what you're expending is it just doesn't match up. So eventually you can't get away with it for longer. The body will always come and take its debt that you owe it. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, Because we, you know, it does work for us for a while. We can, you know, we can go in and we can train hard. We could eat less and it works for a little while, but then what we start to see is what you just explained that, you know, the body then has reached its threshold and that shows up in a lot of signs and a lot of symptoms or a lot of red flags uh, to say that, you know, what we're doing is actually not working for us right now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So could you speak a little bit about, 
you know, if like a woman has maybe done high intensity training for a really long time, uh, and then is, you know, feeling a little frustrated and confused because she's not seeing the results that she wants. Now, I know results can mean, you know, it's such a big umbrella term. And I always will say, well, what does results mean to you? You know, what yeah. does it look like? What does it feel like? But like bringing it back to what you said, pretty much most females, you know, that train or work out or exercise, they have a goal around their weight, shape or size. So yeah. say that, you know, she's experiencing that, that frustration of not feeling maybe stronger and not being able to change her body composition. Where do you start? And what does, what's even going on? What are you even looking for? So oftentimes what I'm seeing is contradictory goals. This is huge for me. So like I have a, I actually have something just from yesterday with one of my clients. I always bring it back to what is your number one goal? Because they, it's so easy to go off on tangents. And if you bring it right back to what is your number one goal? And they say, that it's something and their actions aren't lining up to reach that goal, then that's easily where I can say, this is the discrepancy here. This is what's going on. So for example, if someone says that they have a muscle building goal, but they also want to lose fat, I'll have to tell them that, that those two goals are somewhat contradictory. Like eventually you will get there, but you can't do it all at once. So if you're doing something like high intensity training and overdoing the cardio and not eating enough, and you're wondering why you're not building muscle, that's because your actions are not um, reflecting what you want. So your actions have to reflect the goal that you want. And a really big thing I notice as well with women is that they tell me they want to build muscle, for example, which is, it's actually quite common now, which is nice, but then they get super scared of what the scale says and the scale going up and they're putting all their focus, their goal is muscle building, but they're putting all their focus on the wrong metrics. So if your goal is 100% fat loss, you're not going to be caring about, you're not going to be wanting, you know, your reps and weight to go up necessarily. You're going to be wanting that scale to go down. You're going to put your focus on that one metric, but then the opposite happens and their goal is muscle building and they continue to put the focus on the wrong metric, which is the scale. So you need to change where you put your focus so that you can get these little wins in other areas and stop worrying about the wrong metrics that don't reflect your actual goal. So if your goal is muscle building, spend a good chunk of time, a good few months focusing on muscle building, but then look at the right metrics. So of course you can say you're focusing on muscle building and be gaining fat if you're doing it wrong. But if you're looking at the right metrics, like if your weights and your reps are going up in the, that hypertrophy range, which is like that eight to 15 reps range, that means if you're genuinely increasing your weight in that rep range, you are adding muscle, you're getting stronger. If your measurements are going up in some places like your glutes, your biceps, and they're not going up around your waist, pretty, or they're staying pretty stable, you're building muscle more than likely. If you're taking photos and you look visibly more jacked, you're building muscle. So screw what the scale says and stop focusing on it. It's the wrong metric. So you gotta, you gotta align your goals with your actions and pick the right metrics to focus on and put those metrics on your whiteboard, put them on the fridge. Like literally it's, that's where I think to me that disconnect is for women and it's super common yeah that i love sense. that okay yeah yeah no you're coming back to what's your number one goal like what do you really yeah. want to do yeah like what does this yeah. result mean to you yeah. yeah what does it even look like yeah. okay so if we say exactly. uh, i want to lose weight now in that we can unpack that because like what are you even talking about yeah because if you're talking yeah. about the number on the scales there's so much to our weight, to our body composition. You know, we, we have our muscle mass, our bones, our organs, and then we have like our fat mass. So are you really talking yeah. about fat loss? Fat loss. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. If yeah. you say 100%, if you say you want to lose weight, it's also important to make sure that you understand 
that if this particular body that you have in your mind that you want to look like, is that reflective of a body that has more muscle than you currently have? Or is that reflective of just pure smaller body shape, if that makes sense? So if it's genuinely reflective of your body size now, but just heaps smaller, not any more toned, not any more defined as people say, then yes, you could probably just focus on weight loss. But even if you just focus on weight loss, if you're losing muscle at the same time, you're actually lowering your metabolism. So that's another story. But then if your body that you want in your mind looks toned and tight and firm and defined and smaller, then that doesn't, you're not going to look like that. If you just lose weight, you have to also spend the time building the muscle. So like, I don't mind talking about, I guess this is probably where I'm different. I don't mind talking with women really, really straight about what is your actual goal that you want? What do you want your body to look like? What do, because they think about it anyways, everybody thinks about it. Everyone obsesses about it. And they think it's wrong to talk about it a lot of times, but I'm like, I want to show you the right way to get to where you want rather than you just spinning your wheels, constantly losing this weight. And then you end up skinny fat and you don't look the way you want to look, you know? So yeah, there's, there's definitely lots of different paths to weight loss. And one of them includes fat loss without muscle loss. And that's hundred percent the path you should take if you want to look more athletic or defined or whatever the word is these days that people call it that, you know, <laughs> toned look. <laughs> okay. Well, what does that path look like? Yeah. So for me personally, with most of my clients, because they aren't complete beginners, I actually really recommend what I call periodization, nutritional periodization. So, you know, you want to have a, I like doing a solid muscle building phase gen, genuinely. If it's, if someone has quite a bit of fat to lose, like they are over say 30, 35% body fat, and they just don't have that much experience with lifting. I'm happy to do a fat loss phase first, but for most people, if they're, you know, quite lean already. And they just, like I said, they just don't have that. They don't have enough muscle mass to look the way they want to look when they lose the fat. I'll recommend a good, you know, six months to a year, even of just solid muscle building. And like I said, it comes back to knowing those metrics because they get scared. They're like, well, what if I'm putting on fat and not muscle, but it comes back to having a coach as well. And knowing those metrics and trusting the right metrics that they're telling you that you're on the right path. So if you're, if your waist is going like really growing and you're not getting any stronger and you know, you're not feeling more jacked, you're feeling so much bigger everywhere, but not in the right places and all that kind of stuff, then I can say, okay, well, you might not be doing the right training program. Obviously it's not working or maybe your health's not there yet. So, you know, there's whatever the issue is, but if we have those metrics to fall back on, then we know, look, you're actually building muscle. And also if they're not gaining weight too fast as well. So I think that is just the number one key is just trusting in the process of building muscle and not getting scared anytime that weight goes up the tiniest bit because if you're using those metrics and you really are you have something to define the muscle building with then you are going to be on the right track and so I would usually start with that and then I'll go into like a um, maintenance phase usually I really firmly believe in always maintaining whatever it is that you just accomplished if that makes sense so I say push and then preserve or protect I'm really big on the protect phase whether it's you've just put on all this muscle we're not going to go and immediately do a cut because your body needs to find that homeostasis. It needs to protect what it's just done. And it needs to be able to be in that, you know, relaxed state without losing those gains that you just made and live like that, live happily like that. And then we can go into a cut if we need to, or the same with when you start with a cut, you need to protect that what you just did before you then go and bump up those calories really high. Cause your body's in this state where it just wants to go back to where it used to be. 
So you need to kind of make it the new normal, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's so much in that. Oh, but the first thing I want to say, you just said six to 12 months. Yeah. Ideal. Yeah. Yes. Six (laughs) to 12 months and sometimes Mm -hmm. even, you know, longer. Yeah. But I want to really highlight like those, those two numbers, I guess, because it takes a long time. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing with muscle building. It takes a long time. Fat loss is quick. Fat loss, you can get some quick fat loss in eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks. Muscle building is different and it's just not the same. And that's why they always get cold feet women and they want to go back into a fat loss phase because it does take time and we're so impatient and we want the quick fix. We want the dopamine hits and it doesn't involve any of that. So yeah. yeah. Plus it's really hard. It's hard work. Yeah, <laughs> Like you, you do, you have to be brave. You have to be bold to step in and 100%. to do the hard work. Scary sometimes. It, mm. it is. It's, it is scary. But again, like you said, you know, if you have a good coach and you have a good process and a good method, a good plan, uh, yeah. well then that, you know, that takes that scariness away uh, a little bit, yeah. I think anyway. Um, but Okay. So when you talk about muscle building, how do we build muscles? So in order to build muscle, you basically need to send a signal to your body that you are working harder than you used to work. So therefore this muscle is required in order to do what you do with your life. Basically that's from like a, you know, you can go into any direction with that, but it doesn't matter what you choose to do as long as you are sending a strong enough message to your body consistently increasing that message if you want to build more muscle and that is you know every week so it can't just be like you know one week of that and then you go for like three weeks without it it's got to be consistent Um, because your body that's the way your body works it basically it takes what you do from a normal for a normal routine so whatever you do in your life and it makes that thing more efficient basically so that's like the survival mechanism of your body so if you're doing heavy heavy weights your body's going to freak out the first week but it's going to eventually make that turn into muscle so that you can do those heavy weights more efficiently. It's like that with everything. It's like that with starving, right? It shuts everything down so you can starve more efficiently. It's the the frigging exact same thing, but it just works the opposite way. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think that's basically in a nutshell how you build muscle. If If you can step back and you can look at it from that way, it's actually really, again, it's really kind of empowering because then it, it doesn't become so much about, oh, so-and-so said I need to do powerlifting. So-and-so said I need to do bodybuilding. So-and-so said I need to do CrossFit. But it becomes about that stimulus. Are you providing your body, everyone's different, with the right stimulus that it needs to then build muscle? So you can't adapt without that stimulus. Yeah. And what you're saying is that stimulus can look different yes, uh, through one's training practice. Yes. And some stimulus type trainings are more effective and they'll get you there quicker. But then if you don't enjoy it, there's no point. So you also need to find that really nice, happy medium where it's something that you're enjoying, but also something that's working. So you're not just spinning your wheels. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's really important. You've got to love it. You've got to love the training practice, you know, and I see so many women that are just in it to get to the outcome. You know, they don't really want to go through the discomfort. They don't really love the training that they're doing. There's no joy and it's just squishy, squishy and they just struggle and it's really stressful. And I often have to say, okay, you're looking at like these women, maybe the way that they look, but if you really got to know them, they love the practice. Yeah. 
Yes, they they love exactly. to train. They just yeah. love it. They love movement. They love training. That's, you know, they are, they can do what they can do. They can lift what they can lift. They can move the way that they can move or they look the way that they look because they love yeah. the practice. hundred percent. Yeah. You have to find a way to love it. If you really, really want to look a certain way, or if you really want to get stronger, you've got to find a way to love it. Otherwise you're not going to be consistent with it in the long term. And granted, it's not, it's not fun. Like I think people sometimes they go super extreme and they think that it's going to be fun every day. But of course there's days when I'm just like, just get your freaking ass to the gym and do it. Like, and I'm, but I'm, you know, it's not gonna be fun every single time, but I just love the journey and I love the process. That's what it is. I love getting better each time. And I love, I personally obviously love like writing programs and all that. So it's, it's all of that for me as well, but yeah, you just, you definitely have to find a way to love it. Yeah, and for sure you don't enjoy it. You know, and there's times that I do something in the practice that I don't want to do. Yeah, it's yeah. boring, it's hard, but yeah. I do it because I want to have a strong, resilient, capable body. I do it because I want to get that skill. Yeah, uh, and, you know, for me, and I'm not sure you can speak to this, but my body composition is just the byproduct of the practice. Right. 100%. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, I'll take CrossFit for, as an example, again, I don't do it anymore, but when I used to do it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the most effective way to build muscle. Like it's got a lot of high intensity cardio in it, conditioning. It doesn't do all the, it doesn't do all the stability bodybuilding stuff that you can do when you're on a gym machine. Like if you're genuinely purely wanting to build muscle, it's not that most effective way, but yeah, I was extremely jacked, extremely ripped. And I didn't even focus on it. It was just that a byproduct of being consistent and showing up every day and training hard and eating enough food and all that. So yeah, like you can, as long as you're providing your body with that stimulus and you're being consistent, you can kind of, you know, go whichever direction you want to go, you know, as long as there's that somewhat specificity to it as well. Like you can't yeah. be doing marathon training and wanting to look like Arnie or something. <laughs> well, that's a, like, I think that's part of our problem. Like you said, right at the yeah. start, you know, we, we don't have a focus, you know, we, want all yeah. of these things and they contradict each other and you know it's okay yeah. to like want to maybe experience uh, a variety of things for your body to be able to do but I I honestly believe having experienced it myself that you have to specialize in something for a while 100%. you know if yeah. you want to get good at it you want to get results you need to be the specialist yeah. and then you can come yeah, out of 100%. that uh but yeah you know, the other day, like one of my coaches, we were talking about running and people just want to go and do a marathon, but to train properly for a marathon takes years. It should take mm. years to yeah. build that yeah. foundation, to build the capacity. And it's the same. Yeah. And I know you often say this, you have to earn the right to lift heavy. Yeah. You know, you have to earn yeah. the right to do that cool, sexy thing that you see. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. And I think a lot of times, like you said, with the marathon is that women want that goal, because that's what they think that will keep them motivated. So they want to have that end goal that will keep them motivated. This is also why a lot of women go and sign up for a bikini comp, because they want to have a reason to starve themselves, or they want to have a reason, not that everyone does, but you know what I mean? They want to have a reason to lift the weights every day. They want to have a reason if it's the marathon to burn all these calories running, they just need that reason. And if you really look deep, I know a lot of women, if you look deep and you ask them what their motive is, it's oftentimes something related to body composition. So for example, a marathon, they'll be like, well, I have to do this training. I have to get this mileage in. Otherwise I'm going to die when I do the marathon. So therefore that's pushing me to burn all these extra calories, right. Or to have this goal. And they just, they, they focus too much on that goal. 
because they need it to get motivated to do the thing they need to do. The same with like, you know, a bikini comp or a power lift or a um, bodybuilding comp. They'll be like, I'm going to be on that stage. I don't want to look embarrassing or whatever they think it's going to be. So they therefore push themselves, but it's that goal that they're focusing on. But what happens when that's done, right? What happens when then they have to go find that next thing. So they just jump from thing to thing because they're so focused on the goal rather than like we said, focusing on that process, getting really, really good at the activity at what you're doing, making that your goal to be better every day, to get better at that movement, at that lift up, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, that's why I talk about the why a lot of the time, you know, and I'm all for goals. Like I love achieving stuff. I love getting stronger. I love to be able to do really cool things, you know, and I love when I competed in Olympic weightlifting. I love that. And I think we can chase goals. But like you said, there is a process and it's layering. So first is, you know, let's like dig deep on like your why. Like, why are you even doing this? What do you even want? What are results mean? What's your motive? Yeah. Yeah, what's yeah. your motive? And I, wouldn't, and I don't even think that saying having a motive of changing your body composition is bad. I just think it's super important to be honest with yourself about your motive because that's the only way that you'll actually accomplish your goals and be able to like maintain it and keep that, you know, result, whatever you got is if you're completely 100% honest with yourself. And if you have a coach, be honest with your coach as well. Because maybe if they really just want a certain body composition, but they think they have to go do a marathon to get there, your coach can help you. You can be like, okay, well, why don't we try chasing this goal instead? It's a bit more healthy or it's a bit less stressful. So yeah, I think just being really honest about your goal is important. Yeah, I totally agree. And I often have this conversation around like expectations and reality. You know, we have these expectations to maybe look a certain Mm -hmm. way and it's come from often diet culture, or we, we might even have someone in mind that we want to look like them. Uh, but then yeah. we have our reality and our reality, the gap between the expectation and the reality is so goddamn big. So, yeah. so much of the time now that's not, it's not good or bad. It just is what it is, you know, and our reality might be that, you know, I've been chronically stressed. I have three kids. I, yeah, you know, have overtrained and underfed, like, you know, all of the, the stresses and the reality is not supporting the expectation. So we either yeah. need to readjust the expectation um, to help, you know, try and, you know, do the work in the reality, or we need to really change the reality. Yeah. 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 to get the which to get hard. the goal which is which is hard yeah, yeah? and i'm not saying it's yeah. you know it sounds simple when we talk about it and the science stuff behind it is simple like i honestly believe like the eating and the le- like the training it's the it's, it's you know simple. it's simple yeah. but it's not easy yeah. because of our reality so when you talk about the health stuff and what, what are some of the things you spoke about food? So obviously food is really important um, for our yeah. health, for our stress, but also yeah. for our training. What does that look yeah. like? For the food side of things? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say just if you want to be um, an athletic person, so that means someone who trains often and consistently and build muscle and get stronger or get better at whatever it is you're doing, you need to first of all have adequate fuel, which is calories. That's like before anything else, that's what matters. Because if you look at energy, like, again, you take strip things right back to the basic, it's just an energy exchange. So you need to have enough energy for all your inside processes that go on every day, your brain, your heart beating, all that you also need to have enough energy for the output. So the exercise that you're doing, and then on top of that, which people don't realize is you need to have enough energy left over for recovery. So once you finish your training session, you're not done with the energy. 
there's, it breaks everything down and you need a huge amount of energy to actually repair it all as well. So you need to have, I call it the three buckets of energy for an athlete basically. And you need to have enough in all those three buckets. So that's the number one priority. You need to be eating enough. Otherwise you're going to definitely be taking away from probably the recovery bucket first, which means you're not going to get those, you know, the gains and what you want out of your training. You're not going to get the results because it's just constantly needing to take from the recovery, but then it also takes away from your processes. So your metabolic functioning, your, your, you know, your digestion, your, for females, your, you know, whole reproductive system, it takes away from that because it can't take away from the output. You're not just going to go for a run and fall over and die because you run out of energy. Your body has to somehow fuel that. So if there's not enough, it takes away from those other two buckets. And that's the problem that people don't realize is that you can definitely train without enough energy and it's you're like oh but I feel fine for this training session but it's probably taking from somewhere else so I think that's the number one thing I just wish everyone would understand and just get through their minds is that energy isn't just body fat it doesn't equal body fat it literally equals everything in your whole body your performance your recovery um, like yeah, that you hear go- it everyone hear that hear that okay hear hear it hear about the buckets <laughs> what are the three buckets <laughs> yeah the three buckets what are they you got the so you've got the basically your body processes so just to survive you need this bucket to have energy in right that's your bare minimum and then you have your output bucket which is everything you do in the whole day including your exercise including your movement including your fidgeting everything and then you have your recovery bucket now the middle bucket, the like I said, the output bucket's never going to be sacrificed. It's going to sacrifice the other two to fuel it. So yeah, good one. I, I really mind. like that. I like the bucket situation. I can see it. I can see my bucket. I love analogies. Yeah, you <laughs> love do them. love analogies. <laughs> uh, no, it's a great visual because you can like you can see your buckets and you can see mm-hmm. how full they are or how empty they are, yeah. and if a certain bucket is empty well yeah i really like that and balancing them as well really important and balancing the buckets yeah so for every output you should have a recovery input like you want to balance the buckets yeah (laughs) yeah can you what do you mean by that can you talk about that a bit the recovery so if you're just like the, the balancing of the in and the out and like what does that look like Yeah. So if you're putting, so say you go from, you know, take running, for example, say you go from running five hours a week, everything's the exact same and you bump it up to 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week of running. That's taking a lot more out of your output bucket. And if there's not enough food in that bucket, it's going to pull from your other buckets. So instead, if you're obviously starting with food, you'll want to fill up with more foods. You want to fill up with more food, but then you also want to fill up with more recovery practices so that you're not taking too much from your recovery practice bucket. So things like, you know, making sure you're getting enough sleep, making sure you're doing like calming down time with breath work, making sure you're probably doing some mobility, some stretching, just to balance out that extra output so that you're kind of filling up that recovery bucket. So it doesn't need to take so much from it. Um, Yes, it's the same with, you know, if you're someone who's doing a lot of weight training and you're bumping it up from, three days of weight training to five days of weight training, something's got to give from the recovery bucket 
Otherwise, you're just going to be completely depleted. So you probably want to then add in, you know, a little bit more stability work, mobility work, making sure that you're another thing is carbs, making sure you're getting enough carbs around the training session. That's a big recovery key. Um, yeah, there's so many different ways to recover. Yeah, well, we're so focused on like that middle bucket or the workout or the exercise 100%. or the training. Yeah, yeah the doing mm-hmm. of the thing that we, you know, we're not really paying attention to the other bucket. So we're not paying yeah. attention to the, well, I have to fuel the body and that fueling is going to change if the training intensity changes. Um, and then also my recovery is part of the practice. Like it's all a practice. Right. It's not just one yeah. bucket. Like this one thing. Yeah. And if you're seeing that, if you're finding there's little symptoms that you can see, if you're finding little symptoms from that first bucket side, where maybe your girls, you've lost your period, or it's just not your have menstrual cycles. That's a really important one to look at or anything like maybe your hair starts falling out. Um, you know, maybe your skin's really dry. Maybe you have like, there's so many things. If you're really aware, self-aware, you can catch these things. That's often a, a time of, sorry, a symptom of lack of that bucket having enough energy. On the other hand, if you're finding things like with your recovery, you're just, you're not recovering properly. A really key thing is niggles and injuries. If you find yourself getting a lot of niggles and injuries, that often means there's not enough fuel or energy in that recovery bucket for your body to actually, because it takes a lot of blood flow. It takes a lot of energy to recover. So that's a sign. Another sign would be, you know, you just can't seem to lift the weights that you were lifting before. You just, you know, you're losing that kind of strength. Um, your sleep goes to shit, your heart rate stays elevated after you train, you know, your temps go right down, they plummet. That's a sign that you're not having enough energy in that recovery bucket. So if you look at all these symptoms, you can see, okay, is my training working for me or do I need to change something? And oftentimes, like I said, that literally just starts with food, just fuel. Um, Yeah. So it's a really good way to look at it in that way as well with the buckets. Yeah, I really like that because often we'll think, well, it might be the training and what I'm doing in the training, but often it's, but it's the lack of fuel yeah. or the lack of recovery because 100%. the body's capable of like amazing things. The body can tolerate so much load, so much volume. Right. And this is like one of the things with like within the metabolic space that I just don't really agree on, you know, is that if yeah. we like fuel it, like really fuel it and we are really good at recovering and we do an amazing training program, uh, we can do, the body can do anything. It can tolerate it. It's only when we don't, yeah, you go. When we don't. I found this with some of the, so a few people that were already eating in the pro-metabolic way and that, and they've come to start training. Oftentimes they'll say to me, you know, they might be doing a three-day training session or a four-day training session. And they'll say to me, it's just not working for me, the training. I feel like this, 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 and the other. And they're automatically they'll think it's like you said, the training session, but oftentimes it's not the actual training program. It's the lack of recovery or even something as simple as, are you doing enough movement in your day? Because that blood flow, getting that going, it's super important. It's, it makes a huge difference in recovery. Um, and I know that a lot of I think pro-metabolic people are a bit scared of stress and scared of moving too much and scared of this. So they might be eating all the right things, but there's other lack, there's other things lacking in the recovery. So there's, you know, not enough movement. There's, there's all sorts of things. It could be, you know, breath work. Are they breathing properly? Are they breathing through their mouth all night? There's all these other things as well. So I think it's really important what you said, like, of course you want to make sure the training program is good. And there's hundreds of stupid training programs out there as well. But if the training program is well-balanced, it could be what you need and don't quit too soon. 
focus on the food, focus on the recovery, focus on the carbs. I know a lot of people just eat so much high fat and yes, fat is important, but man, you need carbs to fuel training. Like it's scientific, you know, you can't train without enough glucose and glycogen. You'll just keep hitting a wall every time. Yeah. When you say enough carbs, and I know it varies from our activity level and our, you know, uh, resting metabolic rate and that, but what does that even mean? Cause there's kind of a range where we think, you know, if we're eating yeah. under something that's, you know, not very great. <laughs> yeah. I would say, um, again, like it depends how much training you're doing. So if someone's training a lot, they need more, but yeah, I would say like, I just like, you know, at least 50% of your calories should come from carbs for sure. At least, you know, um, I think most women need at least that much, I would, I personally don't like anyone going below like 120, 150. Yeah. From my experience with clients, again, you know, if you're coming from a keto background or a low carb background, you don't want to jump too soon. You want to do it gradually and all that, but that should definitely be like a minimum, I think. Yeah. And that's like, we've probably shocked a lot of people. (laughs) I mean, I eat over 300 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. 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 But if you, you know, if you want to do a lot of activity and you want to get stronger and you, you know, you have to, yeah, yeah, it's your responsibility to, to do that and feel the body. Um, yeah. and you know, we, we are just uh, so many females are not doing that. They're not fueling, fueling their body. Uh, yeah. and yeah. then we forget about the recovery side of things, which I think is, it's so important. It's, it's so key. Yeah. Uh, and yeah when we talk about that, like we have rest and recovery and they're like, not the same things, you know, yes, we need both, but like rest is very passive. Yeah. Like I could sit down and just be, and that's like resting. Yeah. But that's probably not what most people need more of. They need to actually do those actionable things that help with, so I call it, like you said, stimulus type of recovery and then passive type of recovery. And you do need a bit of stimulus recovery because that's where that parasympathetic state kicks into action. Um, if you're going straight from high intensity, like anaerobic weight training, which is very sympathetic driven, which you need, because that's what you need in order to get a result, but you do need, so you do need it. But if you go straight from that to then being, you know, seated or not really moving and just, you know, you're not coming out of that sympathetic state and going into the parasympathetic state. So sometimes you need like this kind of like a switch. So you need something to flip that switch, if that makes sense. And that's where I find even with myself, particularly, I do a lot better with my recovery when I have like a lower intensity type of training session after a high intensity one, rather than taking complete rest. And if you're someone who's coming and you're just starting out and you're going to three high intensity training sessions and guys, when I say high intensity, I mean, when you're working in that anaerobic state. So that's things like even squats and push-ups and all that, those, even those very beginner things that you're not used to, that's going to be anaerobic for you because you're working in that high intensity state. So if you go straight from that to then not doing anything and you want to try and back that up in two or three days, if you don't have that thing to flip the switch back into the parasympathetic state, you're going to struggle to recover. And if you're sore after like three days, if your temps are still down after three days, that means you haven't switched into that parasympathetic state. Your body doesn't know how to, because it's a skill you have to teach it how to. So I think that's where those stimulus recovery type things can really play a role as well. Yeah. And when you say stimulus, are you talking about like uh, mobility, walking, that type of thing? So for some people, it might need to be a little bit higher intensity than walking when it comes to like athletes, particularly Um, for me, I'll do like, I'll jump on a bike. You want something to get the blood flow going. Um, Running, I find can be quite 
not always a good idea because it's so high impact as well. So it can be really, really hard on the joints. So um, unless you're like, you've had years of experience and you're a really good runner and you have perfect form with running, it can be a bit hard on the joints. Um, some people I like, you know, doing like a really sort of slow and steady session with farmer's carry, sled push, jump on a bike, just repeating that as long as your heart rate stays low and it's not like shooting up. Um, and then mobility, 100%, stability works really important. Um, yeah, all those things, anything that involves moving, but if it's moving in that parasympathetic state, that's so healthy for recovery. Okay. So you're like down in that state, you know, you yes. should be able yeah. to hold a conversation. The yes, heart rate 100%. shouldn't be skyrocketing. 100%. Yeah. You're, you're just, you're moving. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Also really good for digestion. Um, just as a side note, yeah. <laughs> when you are eating more food. So if you haven't been eating as much and then you start training and you increase your calories, a lot of times people are like, but I can't seem to digest all the food. If you move more, you will be helping your digestive system as well, because again, digestion is a very, very parasympathetic activity. As long as you're in a sympathetic state. So if you come out of your training and you start being super busy and you, you know, you eat your food and you don't relax and you don't purposely put your body into that parasympathetic state, you're going to have a hard time digesting your food, which then has a hard time. It's going to, you're going to have a hard time building muscle. You're going to have digestive issues. So that's a really key thing as well. Yeah, there's been quite a bit of research on it. Even when I was doing my master's, we spoke about that, the research being done on eating in the two different states and how that affects digestion and absorption of nutrients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, but so many women are like rushing and like eating half of their children's meals or like eating their meal yeah. on the go. And, you know, maybe they've just rushed home from their morning training session and they're not like sitting and eating and getting into that state. Um, and yeah, like you said, often they do start to complain of like digestive stuff or they have digestive stuff going on. And yeah. you're like, well, yeah. you know, don't blame one food for that. Let's actually have a yeah. look at the state, the state of the system. How are you 100%. eating your meals? Mm. It's interesting as well, because a lot of these women that I work with are very type A, super go, go, go. They're extremely successful in life, their career and everything. They've got kids, but they, they're oftentimes only feeling good when they're running in that sympathetic state because of the stress hormones that are running. So that's what makes them feel good and they feel energetic and they feel alert. So if I tell them, Hey, I want you to do this low intensity thing this day. And I really want you to focus on looking at your heart rate and making sure it stays within this zone. They don't like it because they don't feel that endorphin boost like they do. So they're tempted to go and push the intensity higher. So they'll go and do sprints on the bike instead of, you know, and the thing is, this is, again, it's working against the whole point of doing it because we're doing it to get your body to get that switch and to flick it off and to say, okay, you're now in the parasympathetic state. And it kind of is that simple. You can actually train your body. You can train your breathing. You can train everything, but you have to get the mindset right about it. So you can't be doing it just to move more, to burn more calories or to get that endorphin rush. So, and I think that's really important. What you said, they go and they go and they feed their kids. They eat the rest of their kids' dinner and they're, they're like, okay, I need to do my recovery session, but they keep it super high intensity and it becomes this endless cycle. So it's the mindset and making sure that your intention is right. When you do these, like when I do these recovery sessions with my clients, when I tell them it's really important to yeah. Well, it's just reframing it all. Like you mentioned, you know, when we talk about weight and shape and size and we have like two ends of the continuum, like the hardcore fitness end where the bodybuilding, and then we have the, you know, love yourself at every size and the 
body positivity yeah. and like yeah. no one is really in the middle you know having these conversations educating women around okay if that's something that you want to do because as a coach you know it's not my job to tell you that you can't have that goal it's yeah. just to educate you on the science behind it the process and the method what you actually have to do to get there you know yeah. and question and support you in is it really what you want to do you know you is that yeah. yeah what do you really want for real um or is that the path that's going to actually get you to your goal in the healthiest way or is it the path that you just think you have to take to get there yes yeah and often it's we just think that we have to take this certain path to get yeah. there but we don't <laughs> we actually need to you know eat more food more regularly balance yeah. our meals uh recover properly and follow a really good program and i know yeah. that sounds simple but it actually it works <laughs> it actually works you know and i have that conversation so many times with women is yeah. eat enough calories figure that out balance your meals eat often look for the signs follow a good program make sure you're recovering and do yeah. it consistently <laughs> exactly it's not sexy but it works like yeah which is where it comes back to that thing we were saying in the beginning about get that base knowledge and that base foundation, because then you will have that understanding yourself. And it's always going to apply no matter what goal you chase that those, you know, that base understanding of what to do and the actions to take and how to be consistent and all that. So, yeah. yeah well, how long have you been doing this for? So how long have you been building your foundation? You know, how long did that take? And then how long have you been training the way that you've been training and eating the way you've been eating? Yeah. So I've probably been training for 15 years, like properly. Um, to be completely honest, CrossFit, I went in without really much of a foundation, but because I had never really seriously got stronger, seriously built muscle, I got results, you know, from the first few years of doing that. And then it was after that it was just that consistency, just showing up and training and doing the strength work and all that. Um, yeah, that would have been like 10 years of that. Um, yeah. Like it's definitely not a quick, you know you can't wake up and be jacked one day if that's what you want it's just not going to happen <laughs> <laughs> no yeah and I've been in my practice for like 10 years you know 10 years I building the foundation layering it consistent with my nutrition uh, and that's mm. you know what people see is like 10 years in the making yes yeah exactly um not to overwhelm anyone or anything, but I think it's really important. You know, we need to, we need to shake up a little bit when we have this story and these expectations on ourselves, 100%. which you can totally do. I say that all the time. You know what? If you want to do it, we, you just need to change your reality. Now you might not be able to get rid of your children, but there are things that you'll have to do in your reality, like serious choices that you have to make if you really want to, do it, you know, but if yeah. you don't, that's okay. You know, be okay with yes, getting stronger. Yes. Feeling better. Yes. Maybe changing your body composition a little bit and just showing up and enjoying training three days a week and just be okay with yeah. that. Um, yeah. I think it comes back to trade-offs in life in general and the cost versus effort and finding what will have the biggest ROI on what you're doing so yeah it's just it just comes back to that if you're willing to put that much effort in you can get those particular results but there's always that trade-off you know what does it cost you and are you willing to do that because that's like what you said the reality of the situation is you need to do this to get here 
um, you know, are you willing to do that? Like, and then of course, you know, don't focus on that big, huge goal, but focus on the little processes step-by-step step to get you there, to keep you going. But yeah, that cost versus effort is really important. Yeah. It's an important conversation. One for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else? Should we talk about anything else when it comes to like training and building muscle, losing fat? Anything else come up for you? Um, I think something that comes up, which I was having a conversation with one of my clients the other day, is the importance of um, tracking something. Like I often say, so there's a, there's a really sort of a bit of a fear, I think, when someone has never tracked anything before and they're like tracking macros, tracking calories, tracking, you know, all these things, right? But I think that if you can, again, strip that back and just start with track something, track anything, but track something, you will get results just from tracking something, from going from not tracking anything to now tracking something. Just the awareness that it brings is going to teach you so much and you're going to get results just from that. And then you can move on to the next thing if you want to. But I think it comes back to that jumping from thing to thing, never, no, not having a clue about where you're actually getting results because you're not tracking anything. Um, yeah, I just think that's like if you want, if, if we're talking about someone who really wants to start, but they just don't know where to start. Um, it's, and it's, it's daunting tracking macros. Like I'm doing a macro tracking challenge with my members coming up, but tracking everything, protein, fat, carbs, hitting your macros, hitting a target, that's daunting, right? But you can start by just tracking something. So just track, track your daily steps. If you're not moving enough, track your, track what you eat every day, but don't have a target to hit track anything. And then do an audit on yourself and think, okay, what can I, what have I, what am I doing? What can I do better? And then change one thing at a time, track your training, track your lifts, you know, but yeah, you don't have to track everything, but just track something. I think that's really key as well. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of tracking because it connects us to our body. And if that's all we start with tracking our sleep, our walk, how do I feel today? How do I feel when I start this session? How did the training feel? What did I notice? You know, we can ask these, you know, more open-ended questions. Uh, Because for me, we were speaking about a little bit before, but what came up was around this, like building our capacity to do all this stuff, especially if it's new, you need to build Mm -hmm. capacity and tolerance to be able to do it. The best way I can describe it is when I like started my social media stuff, I, I was like not a social media person and it was like leaking a lot of energy and I just didn't have the capacity yeah. to like produce like yeah. the content and the copy and, you know, connect with all these people. And I was, it was really stressful. It's the same with this yeah. nutrition training, tracking stuff. You have to mm-hmm. build your capacity to tolerate it. Amen. I totally agree. Yeah. You can't just go from absolutely doing nothing to then expecting yourself to train five days, to lift these weights, to track all your calories, to track your macros, to like, it's just too much. Like some women can do it for sure, but you know, you have to build your capacity to tolerate it. And that's why, you know, it's taken 10 years to get where we are because we slowly had to build our capacity to tolerate what we're doing in our life. Yeah. And I think that comes back to that stress and recovery and building a more of a tolerance to stress. And I think that's also something that I see missing in the pro metabolic world. And I, like I've now probably coached, I would say over a hundred people that came from like the pro metabolic diet and nutrition and that. And one of the big things I've noticed is that lack of stress resiliency. 
So it's almost like they've, they're healing and they've healed their body and they've done all this, but then at what point do you then reintroduce the stressors? Where is that? That's missing. There's like, I'm not seeing that anywhere, you know? So I think, and the stressors doesn't just mean training. The stressors mean, like you said, being disciplined in your life. Like, are you going to put a little bit of discipline back in? Because that's really, really healthy. As my partner says, sometimes I'll whinge about something and he's like, just show some discipline. And I'm like, okay, that's literally his line. <laughs> but it's <laughs> Any true. Area of life. Yes. And, the, and it's, I get the whole, you know, self-care. And if you've starved yourself for years and you're in poor health, you have a poor thyroid. Yes, you probably do need to rest. You need to rest and you need to heal. But there's times and seasons in life. And there's a time where you need to put your big girl panties back on and suck it up and just start, just track something, just do something, just move, you know, just because, yeah, otherwise it's going to be just living in that non-stressed state where that's not balanced, right? Because if you want to get any result in life, it's basically stress plus rest equals results. So you have to have that stress element. Yeah, you can't just leave it, uh, live in this nice equilibrium all of the time. Yes, but I see yes. it a lot and I have yes. so many conversations with women that are afraid. They are afraid they to push them. themselves. Yeah. They're scared. They're terrified. But, you know, I do understand it as yes. well because if because that's the problem is they've come from that horrible background of starvation and just that like it would have it would feel horrible I mean I can't imagine but if you're literally at that point where you've done every diet imaginable you've screwed your body your thyroid shot your hormones are shot and then you finally start feeling better like it's it's scary you know to go into add healthy stressors back in but I feel like that is an important part of the whole entire process of healing and becoming a well-functioning human yeah but I just believe movement is essential it is. And 100%. for me, it, it, it's a thing that just does not exist. You know, it's, I would look yeah. what else in your life, you know, has got you where, you know, you are in the state that the system yeah. is in, what else could we change to like take yeah. the stress load off? Because I, mm-hmm. we need movement in there. And yes, of Absolutely. course, it's not going to be like, yeah, high intensity, you know, training yeah. five or six days a week. But for all the women that I work with, we move, we have a movement practice, even if it's like rebuilding our foundation, but it is in there because it's essential. We need to move. Uh, And yeah, I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing some women that are so afraid to start again. And I get it as well. You know, maybe not, I get it from an injury perspective of feeling so weak and so broken to then feeling strong Mm -hmm. and capable. But at the start, it's scary to do something because you don't want to feel broken and injured again. Um, But, you know, I think tracking something and just moving in a way that just some movement that the body, you know, will tolerate. And you're looking at those key signs that you spoke about at the start. Yeah. Yeah. And even with movement, when it comes down to like um, detoxification, um, the lymphatic system, if we want to go from a health perspective, which I'm all for that as well, because I do have the science behind me that is super key. And like, why aren't we talking about that from a health perspective, even, you know, not just a stress resilience perspective, but how are you going to get your lymphatic system moving? If you don't move enough, if you're doing, if you're clocking 1000 steps a day, like that's less than sedentary, you know what I mean? And I've seen this, it's, it's very common. So yeah, just moving more is going to be key from that detoxifying perspective as well. And that lymphatic system. So yeah, yeah, if you need like a health reason as well, it's super key. I could talk to you for hours. Same. <laughs> so fun. 
We're okay. so on the same page. We're we on are the on the same page. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we can do another one. I think this is, I think this is good. Yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah. It's been so much fun. I'm so grateful that you came on. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy as well. It's been, yeah. I, I was telling um, Layla and Kitty, like, thanks for introducing me to Amy. I know. Oh, I love that I'm introduced to you. I love that I know you. It's so good. Same. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, no, we have to finish. You've got to share a bit of your work and where people can find you. Sure. So um, I have a membership. It's basically kind of like pretty much it would be affordable for most people. And it has I have training plans and we do monthly action kits, which is basically where I take one topic and I do like a little action kit for that topic um, with recipes and all that as well. Um, if you head to my Instagram, you can find all my links there. It's just um, at Libby Weston. That's probably the easiest place to find me. You know, my email's there as well. You can find me on my website too, which is eatersize.com.au. So, yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, jump over. Head, out, uh, head to her page. She's got great stuff there. And you can see her training and lifting lots of heavy stuff. Yeah. Love lifting. <laughs> Levy, thank fun. you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. So easy to talk to. Yeah. Likewise, right back at ya. <laughs> Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaway. Hey, warrior woman. So this training, nutrition, and health stuff has challenged you at your deepest level. And now you feel stuck. Maybe you've missed regular training for over a year due to an injury and you feel scared to start training again. Maybe you've tried so many programs, but they didn't work. So now you feel tired, overwhelmed, out of shape, and weak. I believe this stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard. I also believe that we should all feel strong and confident. So I pulled on all my knowledge and my experiences over the last decade and created Warrior School. In Warrior School, I help you swap confusion and overwhelm for a plan to get stronger and healthier. And who doesn't love a good plan? Inside Warrior School, I will teach you the key metabolic nutrition principles to give you energy and support your training. I teach you how to approach training to get stronger and get those results that you want. And I teach you how to regulate your cycle and use it as a tool to support your training. I invite you to become a part of Warrior School in three simple steps. Fill out the application form on my website, Book a free discovery call where we talk about your training and your goals. Three, start training today to get stronger and healthier.